This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Hi there, this is Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd. Welcome along to this podcast. And we had a lot to talk about, of course, uh, when it came to the movies this week with our movie critic, William Mullally. Some big releases happening at the moment. We also headed to Bollywood, where Sneha talked us through some of the things that we need to be watching. And Golf Photo Plus joined us um, on the show. They've got lots going on with walks and exhibitions and various things that can kind of combine food and photography as well. Do enjoy the podcast and join us live weekdays from 11 o'clock only on Dubai Eye 103.8. From Jamira Golf Estates. This is Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Oh, what a putt! What a putt! Live at the DP World Tour Championship 2021. The meeting ground for the greatest players on earth. It certainly is, and welcome back to the show. It's a beautiful day here on this Thursday as we edge closer to the weekend. I'm sure the crowds are going to be heading to the DP World Tour Championships here at the Jumeirah Golf Estates. However, right now we are going to talk some movies, as I know a lot of you are probably going to be planning to go to the cinema this weekend. And William Mullally, our movie critic, joins us on the line. I'll say a very good morning to you, William. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Excellent, sir. I want to get started. Um, I, I was arriving home last night after we broadcast live from Expo. My son come running to me with a computer uh, as I walked in the door and said, you've got to see this, you've got to see this, you've got to see this. Uh, uh, he was super excited about the new trailer for Spider-Man um, that dropped just uh, yesterday. Um, thoughts on that trailer, William? I think, first of all, just the fact that a Spider-Man trailer has set the world ablaze shows you that this could be the movie. I mean, obviously we're in the the post pandemic era and things are a bit different, but it does seem like people care more about this than any Marvel movie in history, like even more than Endgame. It seems like this is the movie people are so excited for. And a lot of that is built off of the surprises that this film promises. You know, every other Marvel film, we kind of know what we're going to get here. The possibilities are endless. So basically the story that we have so far is that Tom Holland, Peter Parker, who we've seen, you know, join the Marvel Universe um, in Civil War and then, you know, take on with Spider-Man Homecoming, what's my favorite Marvel film. He has really, I, I think, grown into the role, but here all the multiverse has come to roost and all of the other villains, including Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, um, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, Jamie Foxx's Electro, are all invading from other universes and coming with him and only he and Doctor Strange can stop it. And what that means as people have been rumored for a long time, could mean, you know, we get the original Spider-Mans themselves, you know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in to join and fight off this new threat. We get other surprises from across the Marvel Universe. Really, anything could potentially happen. So this teased a little bit more. I talked about the things that Doctor Strange cannot hold back. And so I think for fans, it's really less about the trailer and more about the many possibilities of the story that they've given us could hold. Uh, the interesting thing was, though, there was no sign of Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield in, in the actual trailer. Um, what did you make of that? I, so I, I think if that does happen, they want to keep that as much of a secret for fans as possible. They want that to be something you experience in the theater. They want everyone to cheer. It's like if they put in the trailer that they beat Thanos um, and brought everyone back from the snap. You know, It's like, okay, we know everyone's going to come back from the snap. 
But if you don't experience that, like I don't know, <laughs> people don't want to experience stories anymore. They want to get everything in the trailer. They want to have everything spoiled online. Nobody okay. wants to sit in the cinema. But when you do <laughs> sit in the cinema and you experience genuine surprise, there's no feeling like it. There's a reason that we've watched that video of, you know, all the heroes coming back at the end of Endgame over and over and over again and watch the crowds cheer. Because that's what movie magic is. That's the best of what the Marvel Universe has to offer. So I, I wish people would stop trying to find out the spoilers and just wait to go see this movie. It's not, it's not going to be that long. Uh, and my favorite Sandman is coming back, I believe. Um, yeah, so I think, I think really anyone is on the table here in the Spider-Man world or outside of it. So I think it's going to be hard to live up to the expectations that they've set here. I think that's really the biggest thing. But I do think that you know, ultimately what we're getting is another Tom Holland Spider-Man film, which is really enough for me because I love that kid. Yeah, uh, well, we've not got that, that got too long to wait. It's going to be released, of course, at next month. Now, um, you also want to talk um, about a movie called Encanto. So tell me a little bit about this one. Okay, so I'm just going to give you my straight-up opinion as we start. To me, this is the best Disney Animation Studios film since Frozen, the first Frozen film. I, really? Like, I enjoyed it that much. Yeah, and I'm not talking – that's separate from Pixar – um, this is, you know, usually this is, you know, the classic Disney musicals that we usually get this time of year, you know, these gigantic films, like, but that's a lot of great films, you know, like, um, things like Moana, for example, fit into that, you know, Frozen 2, yeah. Yeah. um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think really all of these films brought joy and they, they were huge hits and they were beloved. But to me, I, I think that with Encanto, which is a story of this magical family called the Magical Family, in a fictional town of Encanto in Colombia, who each member of the family is given a, a special miracle power, um, except our one lead character, who is basically going through this world as the unremarkable sibling in a very remarkable family. And it has, you know, music from Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also did the music for not just, you know, Hamilton and in the Heights, but in Moana, which has, you know, become some of the best Disney music, I think, of all time. So just having him come back to the Disney world is, I, I think, enough. But I, I think what the film delivers in terms of heart, in terms of character, in terms of animation, and I, I think really in bringing something new that we haven't seen um, to the Disney world while also always feeling like it's capturing that, that heart, I think this, to me, was one of the best times I've had in a Disney film in a long, long time. And, you know, I've always been... A fan of the Disney films, I, like if if you do it right, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to cry and then lie about whether or not I cried. But I just admitted it to oh, wow. <laughs> many, I'm... many listeners. So I will say Encanto did really get to me. And I was actually lucky enough to speak to Lin-Manuel Miranda about the film um, and his experience in doing that because I think he really, which is really exciting for me because he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. I have the greatest beta testers in the world in that I have uh, a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a wife who doesn't particularly care much about musicals. <laughs> so if I've got them, then I know I've got magic because if I hear the kids humming the songs when daddy is not playing them for them, there is probably something to it. Um, if my wife uh, is moved um, because she wouldn't naturally sit down and pick a musical to watch, it's not her first taste. She's currently working through the second season of you <laughs> um and uh she's watching like a serial killer um it's uh i know that i've got something special because i've got i've got a high bar to clear here at home before the world sees it do you find that it's easier to find that magic or harder like as you've progressed as a creative 
Um, I think, honestly, um, to be perfectly frank, the, the hardest thing about writing for Disney is is like not psyching yourself out because they have just such an incredible mm-hmm. legacy of music and film. I'll never forget um, the many drafts of Moana's uh, I Want song and being like, stop thinking about Let It Go, Lynn. Stop thinking about Let It Go because Let It Go was inescapable at the time I was writing it. And, you know, you know you're part of an incredible legacy and you want to at least touch the backboard of sort of the heights set by those other films. And so um, a lot of it is getting out of your own way, leaning into the specificity of the story you're telling. Uh, for us, the region we're telling it, you know, and falling in love with Colombian music and Colombian instruments um, and, uh, and and getting the Disney part out of your head so that you can just, like, get busy telling the story. Yeah, get the Disney out of your head and tell that story. Um, I've n- pardon the pun, that William, I've never heard you sound so animated about an animation before. <laughs> no, I mean, I, that's the thing. I think most of them are... Like, it's rare that you leave an animation and you had a bad time. Because I think these movies take five years. People put their blood, sweat, and tears into them. Um, so they're, they're always pretty good. But just magic is hard to find. And that's why I think, uh, you know, that's what I was getting at when talking to Lin-Manuel is because really, I, I think knowing when you've hit, like, the next level, when you're really, really connected with something is, is special. It just You can't force it. It just happens when it happens. And you can make a good movie, but making a great one, um, is I think as, a, as an alchemy that no one has quite figured out exactly. And I think they did, I, I think, in trying to dive into the Colombian culture as much as possible, I think I think part of the authenticity of it, you know, having Colombian friends, seeing like little mannerisms, like pointing with your lips, um, are, you know, really, I think you can tell that they really did their homework. And I did talk to Lynn about that. Like he actually went down with the team and with his father and they went and explored Colombia and I think part of, you know, that helps, you know, guide the, the, the reality of the film. And it also helps guide what they wanted to do with this character. Because as you mentioned, the I Want song is key to the Disney film. Like, this is the part of your world. This is the how far I'll go. This is where the, the lead um, character kind of t- says what her, her dreams are. And it was really interesting because he, he told me that actually he had the hardest time writing that with this one. But the more that he dove into the actual Colombian culture, the more that he found inspiration in the inspiration of the culture, which I think is really fascinating. Um, We knew that we were going to be pulling on our own family stories a lot and the stories of our creative team, um, that the the thesis and theme of this would be family uh, and all of the complicated things that evokes uh, for all of us. Um, And then to go to uh, Colombia, be treated like family, and then just leaning into um, that culture and that language, you know, for someone with roots in, in Puerto Rico and Mexico, felt like going to a cousin's house. Like I can see the ways in which our cultures are similar and I can see the things that make it, uh, this music and this culture distinct. And anytime we leaned into that, it kind of was like, it always unlocked stuff for us. An example I would give you is, um, the big I Want song in this movie is in three-quarter time. Um, and that's because we were really inspired by a Colombian folk form that's called the bambuco. And it's sort of this Colombian waltz. Um, and I was throwing pop song after pop song in that moment. And when I finally leaned into the bambuco and that time signature, like the song wrote itself. So it's always sort of the specificity of what you're you know, writing is, is always kind of the answer. 
So there it is then, uh, the big animation uh, and canto. You can see it this weekend. From Jamira Golf Estates. This is Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Oh, what a part! What a part! Live at the DP World Tour Championship 2021. The meeting ground for the greatest players on earth. Yeah, welcome back to Lunch with Lloyd. As you heard there, we are live here at the Jamira Golf Estates. Let's get back into the movies. And William Mullally, our critic, joins us on the show. He's definitely wet our appetites for Encanto and uh, is very animated about that film. What else should we, we be going to see this weekend, William? So I should say first that Encanto is actually going to be coming out next weekend. So people okay, are going to so wait a little bit longer. Yeah, a little ahead of our time. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, wetting our appetites for, I think, what is truly worth something looking forward to. This weekend, the big film um, is King Richard, um, which is the latest film from Will Smith that is once again him embodying a real-life figure, much like he did um, with Muhammad Ali in the past, and, you know, pursuit of happiness, of course. I think this is, you know, when Will wants to play someone serious, he wants to play someone real. He wants to embody a real-life story, and I think they found a tremendous one here with King Richard, as they bring to life um, Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams, who was you know, integral in making sure that they became, you know, the most legendary names in tennis, possibly of all time. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith just drops into these roles beautifully, doesn't he? And, uh, you know, it's, it's quite well um, documented, you know, that um, Richard, the father of, of the Venus sisters, really, you know, uh, put them through it to, to become and to reach the heights of, of tennis that they did. Yeah, especially because ultimately, you know, tennis is a sport that is bolstered a lot of times by class. Like, you need to have a lot of money in order to get the right tennis instructors and the lessons and the country club uh, memberships. And, you know, and you have yeah. to start very, very young. So a lot of times this is, these are people that are either are coming through like a special program in countries like Russia, or they're coming through great, great privilege in order to be able to devote that much time and effort. Um, but with Richard, basically he was a guy, you know, living in a very poor area of Los Angeles who saw how much success people could have in tennis and, decided that from the, you know, when his two daughters were born, that, you know, one was going to become number one in the world, the other one was going to become the greatest of all time, and, you know, brought them to local tennis courts with bad materials, you know, risking a lot of times, you know, their safety in order to to go out there, you know, late into the night. Um, You know, really, he did everything he could to make this impossible dream a reality, eventually finding them the right coaches and getting them to the top, pulling them from competition because he didn't want them to burn out like a lot of other younger stars were doing at the time, you know, getting to 18 and then just their careers were over. He helped shape them as people. And I think even if you're not a tennis fan, just, I think as, as a parenting story, this is absolutely fascinating. As a human story, it's absolutely fascinating. And Will, I think turns in some of the the best work of his career. You can see that he's really committed to making this role um, a reality and make this role feel real. Um, But I do think that, you know, the supporting cast. You know, these two daughters who are um, playing Venus and Serena um, and we have John Bernthal as their coach. It's really I think everyone is really tremendous in this film and it is, you know, very feel good. And although it is, about, I think, two and a half hours long, I did not feel like it was two and a half hours long as they may have with other recent two and a half hour long films. So <laughs> I do think that it's definitely why <laughs> I think you will enjoy it if you, if you go this weekend. So I'm going to make this a, a Mark Lloyd pick. Um, yeah, I, I only mean, do on special occasions. 
Yeah, I, I think it is a movie that I would uh, really take on board as well. Love tennis. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the fact that he'd almost got their lives planned out, even, you know, when they were still so young, they were pre- pretty much, you know, hardly out of uh, kindergarten. And he's decided that they're going to be superstar tennis players. So that is a great tip um, to go along and see. That's King Richard once again. Once again, William, always a pleasure to have you on the show talking at movies. And we'll catch you again next weekend here on Dubai Eye 103. From Jamira Golf Estates. This is Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Oh, what a part! What a part! Live at the DP World Tour Championship 2021, the meeting ground for the greatest players on earth. Yeah, welcome back to the show. What a beautiful setting it is here at the Jamira Golf Estates. Right then, we're turning our attention right now to the world of Bollywood. And joining us on the show is Sneha, who's our Bollywood guru. Good uh, afternoon, Sneha. How are you? All good, Mark. Uh, missing you guys in the studio, and I hear it's so much fun out there. It is. It's beautiful. It's lots of greenery, and uh, you know everybody looking super cool down here. You need to you need to kind of transport yourself down here. That's <laughs> right, uh, Sneha. <laughs> now then, um, you've got a couple of things that you want to talk about. The first is corrupt, uh, Sneha. Tell us a little bit about um, what this is uh, all about. Uh, so this one's a multilingual Indian film that actually hit the theaters last week. So. Okay. So much buzz about, you know, you know, going back into the theatres. You know, we've sat on our couches. We've uh, kind of been spoilt that way. But now it's time to dress up and get out and get into the theatres. And which I did, Mark. And I, I must say it was, a, it was just a hugely liberating experience just to, you know, be there in the theatre, all the food. It's just, <laughs> I, I must say, cinema halls here have got their food act right when it comes to what, what one must eat when they watch a nice masala film. So this one, uh, titled Kurup, is, um, had the lead actor, Dulkar Salman. He was in Dubai last week. In fact, he was in our studio's sister oh, really? station. Yeah, he was at the sister station, hit 96.7. Ah, that's why all the crowds were there. There was <laughs> yes. a lot of fuss going on. And he, in fact, the, the trailer of the film was uh, screened on Burj Khalifa. So, oh, well, wow. you know, massive, um, you know, kind of trailer release for them. Now, I'm going to, going to the movie. The story, basically, Mark, is about... It's based on a true story. It's about a man who faked his death to claim insurance money. Right? Really? Fascinating wow. as that sounds. But the reason why this case kind of stood out... This happened back in the day in Kerala. But the reason why it's got the kind of attention it, it got and the, the reason why there's a movie made on it is the fact that uh, they've never been able to catch him. Never? So... We don't even know where he is, dead or alive. We we have no idea. So he he did the the crime, and he got away with it. And the fact that the crime in itself was quite gruesome. So what actually happened is that he and his friends, uh, you know, they found an unsuspecting man, you know, and killed him, then strapped him in his car and set it on fire. So you can imagine it's just on so many different levels. It's just. You know, it's fascinating, it's scary, it's gruesome, it's unsettling. So, so wow. that it lends itself to a, a, a film. Right, let's have a little clip then from this one. Corrupt. Hello, Krishna Star, no officer. Are they? Is that a? 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 Is that
ഞാനെങ്കിൽ വന്നത് ആരെങ്കിലേക്ക് ആവനല്ലേ സാർ ഇന്നല്ലെങ്കിൽ നാളെ ഞാൻ ആരെങ്കിലേക്ക് ആവും കുറുപ്പ് പിന്നെ അങ്ങോട്ട് പോയി അറിയില്ല അങ്ങ് പേഴ്ഷയിൽ എന്റെ പേരിലൊരു ലൈഫ് ഇൻഷുറൻസ് ഉണ്ട് നമുക്കതങ്ങ് പൊട്ടിച്ചാലോ ഒന്നുകിലൊരു പമ്പര വിട്ടി അല്ലെങ്കിൽ അതിബുദ്ധിമാൻ ഇതിലേതിൽപ്പെട്ടാലും കുറുപ്പിന്റെ വിധി ഒന്ന് തന്നെയാണ് എന്തായാലും ഒരു കാര്യം ഉറപ്പാ ഇനി എന്നെ ആര് കാണണമെന്ന് ഞാൻ തീരുമാനിക്കും അത് കാക്കിയാണേലും ശരി കഥറാണേലും ശരി നീ ജയിൽ പോയാലും So there we are. That's a little clip uh, from uh, Kurup. I get the feeling this one is going to be filling cinemas um, this weekend, Sneha. Oh, well, it has. I mean, we really struggled to get tickets to go to the cinemas last week. I mean, the first weekend, obviously, but it's doing really well across. And what's my verdict? Well, I quite like the film. Now, the reason why I say this is because the film has found, uh, has got mixed reviews. Right. people who've had issues with it and i think the reason some of the reasons i would explain is because when there's a biopic uh the the they wonder if you're kind of glamorizing the man who's behind these evil deeds uh, for me i thought they didn't um i know the first half was a bit sluggish and a tighter edit would have done it a lot of favor um and the, the fact that they you don't really get a sense of who this guy really was and i think it isn't up to the filmmakers i think there's very limited um documents available to figure out who he was and how he ma- i mean how he escaped you know um but where it where the filmmakers did score according to me are the costumes the set design like every intricate detail of what happened in the 70s so beautifully recreated even the performances the the lead actor dulkar salman the supporting cast particularly shine chako they were all pitch perfect so it, i would say if this is what is going to invite me back into the theaters this is a fabulous start okay so that's corrupt uh, um one more very quickly that we're going to touch on uh, and i'm going to let you do the pronunciation on this <laughs> Come second on, one sneha i know we're far away but i'm sure you can do this um uh, nakashi sundareshora Uh, not so quiet. I think <laughs> not we need my to... greatest <laughs> moment, was it? <laughs> no. But you can do better. Anyway, it's called Minakshi Sundareshwar. And this one's on Netflix. Uh, this is about a, you know, young love story, uh, a couple set, you know, who's just recently got married and then they're forced to live in separate cities soon after. Uh, it's set in the South Indian city of Madurai, played by Sanya Malhotra and Abhimanyu Dasani. You would think it's an easy breezy watch uh unfortunately it's not and I think it's got to do with the fact that I'm South Indian and I had a lot of issues with the way the South Indians were represented in this film particularly backed in Bollywood right so I think a lot of times Bollywood filmmakers don't get it right and I find it hard that they can't get it right because 
at this age where we have, you know, you're exposed to different kind of um, uh, cultures and you you have access to information. It's not like there's a lack of Malayalis or South Indians or Tamilians in uh, Bollywood who work there to give them enough guidance as to how we should be portrayed. So, yeah. It's an okay watch, but uh, not a great representation of who we are. So, <laughs> so there we are, Sneha. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us on the show. Have an amazing weekend, and we always love having your take on Bollywood here on Lunch with Lloyd. From Jamira Golf Estates. This is Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Oh, what a part! What a part! Live at the DP World Tour Championship 2021. The meeting ground for the greatest players on earth. Yeah, they all meet uh, today and throughout the weekend, of course, here at the Jumeirah Golf Estates. We're going to talk a little bit of photography right now uh, with Mohamed Somji, who joins us on the line from Golf Photo Plus. I mean, photographing golf, Mohamed. Have you got any tips for, uh, you know, the average kind of photographer like me? <laughs> uh, yes, use a silent camera. <laughs> to start with. A silent camera, that's a, that's a good idea, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but some fa- fantastic then. opportunities. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just put a GoPro on the golf, the golf ball and just let it go its way. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Mohammed, thanks so much for joining us as always, Mohammed. You've got a lot going on at Golf Photo Plus, so just talk us through some of the things that uh, we can get involved with um, at Golf Photo Plus over in Al Sakal Avenue. Uh, sure thing. So there's a lot going on. Uh, we start with a talk on Saturday by photographer uh, uh, Roger Anis, who's from Egypt. He is a photojournalist and a documentary photographer, and he'll be sharing um, photos from, a, uh, from several of his different projects. The one that I'm excited to see is this very ambitious project that he embarked on um, about six months ago, photographing the River Nile that, you know, um, that transcends across 10 countries in the Nile Basin from Egypt to Tanzania and uh, all the countries in between. So he's made this very, uh, uh, this, this fabulous project about how the Nile is so um, entangled with people's lives and how it's a source of subsistence and, um, you know, also leisure and all these things. So, um, and, and Roger is a very prolific photographer. So it'd be great to see what fuels his inspiration, his ideas to, you know, keep producing work on a regular basis. So when and where is this going to be happening, Mohammed? So this is at GPP in person at uh, 7 p.m. Um, on Saturday, November 20th. Okay, sounds like a very interesting photographer. And uh, as you say, you know, looking at the River Nile and how it weaves its way in and out of people's lives. Now, a little bit closer to home, I believe you've got some photo walks that are happening once again, Mohammed. Of course, the weather perfect yes. for this right now. Uh, we we go to a water body, which is not the Nile, but the creek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's oh, still very, uh, very picturesque and beautiful. And uh, so we have a number of different photo walks. The Karama one is always popular. Uh, we have one in Al Kudra if you want to do something that's a bit more nature and outdoors, and it's an early morning one. Uh, there's a bird to buy one and a creekside one. So there's lots of options. But people just go to gulfphotoplus.com slash photo walks. You can find the different options. And, you know, if you're a group of friends and you want to to tailor um, something specific or unique for you that want to take in uh, a certain kind of photography, then, you know, just let us know and we can help with that as well. Um, So there's no shortage of places to go, especially in this glorious weather that we're experiencing right now. I mean, when it comes to locations for these photo walks, what are some of your favorites where you get perhaps some of the best shots I think it's always synonymous with like areas that are really 
uh, easy and fun to walk around, right? Yeah. And so that that always brings in opportunities to um, capture the kind of hustle bustle. You know, the 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 if you're going the late afternoon, the way the sun kind of hits the side of the buildings and it just makes for beautiful light and silhouettes and. So I, I always uh, tend to kind of, you know, take the Abra or take the metro around the center of Dubai and like, you know, either uh, where Dubai or the nice area. And there's so many little labyrinths and alleys and, and, and areas. Those are great. Satwa is always uh, interesting as well. But you can also do fun things in like JLT or Marina. So, you know, just have to find the right light and also where where there's some interesting juxtapositions happening. So it's no excuse. You don't have to get all the way down to old Dubai, but that, that, that place is always um, very picturesque and, you know, uh, uh, always an opportune place for amazing photos. Mohammed, I wanted to ask you, when you do do these kind of courses, do you ever get people, or do you actually do this, where people say, can you teach us how to do selfies? Um, <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I have do? to say that we're very bad selfie uh, instructors. Um, <laughs> because, you know, if you think about it, when, when you're taking a photograph um, of yeah. yourself from a wide-angle camera, it always kind of distorts you. So I think a photographer always spots, um, you know, what a selfie, uh, what what a kind of what's become the manifestation of a selfie. You know, we uh, we always say that if you're shooting a portrait of somebody, it has to be at a certain lens, and the selfie completely uh, flouts all those rules. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> Right, that, well, coming away from selfies, I think you've got something going on as well um, regarding food photography, which is another kind of passion of everyone these days, isn't it? You know, as soon as they tuck into a meal uh, in, a, in a fancy restaurant, there's got to be a photograph on Instagram. Yeah, and this is for aspiring professionals who want to kind of, you know, go to the next level with their cameras and kind of use lights and do some really serious uh, food photography. And as much as we've had technological advances with better cameras and better lighting, you know, still food, uh, especially if you're doing a little bit more high-end premium work for clients, restaurants potentially, you know, you really have to learn about um, the little nuances of uh, light and direction of light and how to kind of make things look good. And food, food's always difficult. So Neil Corder, who is a professional photographer, you know, doing some major food campaigns for some of the big brands, um, he's got over 25 years experience under his belt. He's going to be teaching this. Uh, that's happening on November 27th. Details on our website. And the one I think that a lot of your listeners will be very excited about is the smartphone family photography workshop that's led by you know, two of Dubai's top like family photographers. And they are very cognizant of when, you know, they meet some of their clients, they say, oh, you know, we, we want to take photos of our family. And so they're going to be teaching how to take uh, photographs of your family with a smartphone. And, you know, who better than to get advice and learning from, um, you know, who are professional family photographers. So it's a three-hour class. It's uh, affordable at 350 dirhams. That's happening November 24th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So I definitely encourage people who, you know, want to make the most of, um, you know, the nice weather and the nice light and all the kind of outings to, uh, to consider that workshop. Now, when you saw good weather, um, we've got some f- amazing sunsets uh, at the moment and um, you're doing something uh, or helping people kind of take the perfect sunset shot. So tell me about that, Mohammed. Well, I mean, so before we talk about sunset, sunrise is also a great option. Um, you know, beautiful. That's too early, too early. Just That's too early for us, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it'll be well worth it. I've been waking up super early last couple of weeks to do some uh, photography at the expo and you know, while I while I curse when I wake up that early, I never um, I never regret it because the the light is just gorgeous, the weather is beautiful. But yeah, I, I think you know for sunset, 
you you have to you can use your um, your phone has a lot of options so you can actually underexpose so if you you know keep uh, uh, if you keep your hand your finger pressed on the area on sky for example and you kind of move the um, the slider down you can get some very dramatic uh, shots and you can make some really good silhouette um, and then I think the time after sunset so like in Dubai it's really easy because when you hear the azan all the prayers go off it's not at like mother time which is right now in about six twenty something like that. So from that point on, and for another 10, 15 minutes, you have this beautiful blue light in the sky. We call it the blue hour. And it's gorgeous, you know, a time when you have um, the, the kind of street lights, but they're all kind of shimmering against the nice electric blue background. So don't think that you have got your sunset shot. Wait a little bit and you get some really good shots. Lovely, Mohammed. Uh, all the information about your workshops and talks and photo walks, where can we find them? on golfphotoplus.com or on Instagram um, or our Twitter. But, yeah, uh, Instagram and our website is probably the best place to go. Fantastic, Mohammed. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on the show.